0: This show was first broadcast on FreeFM 89.0, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access radio station. For more information on our station and our wide range of programs, visit freefm.org.nz. You are listening
1: to FreeFM, my girl thinks she's Cleopatra. Oh, that takes me back, takes me back, takes me back to, I think, teachers' college days in the mid-80s, I would suggest. Uh, would that be mid-80s, wouldn't it, Max Christopherson? Yeah, it would have been. Oh, hang on a it minute. There been. we go. Push you on, push you on. There we go. Oh, here we go. We've got all sorts of buttons going crazy here. There we go. Can you hear me there? Certainly can. Oh, that's the way. One of those everyone can hear except for me days. Got it. Sorted now. Sorted. It's all good. Good fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hey, <laughs> happy Wednesday to you, mate. It's, Thank um, you. It's minus one degree in Hamilton. It's sort of one of those clear and foggy days at the same time. Remember those days?
0: I do. I miss the place. You know, I still think one of the things that people don't give Hamilton credit for... Is It is such an amazing place when the weather shifts and changes. And by that, what I mean is is that in the autumn and the spring, I love the place because it changes radically. Uh, The foggy days, I don't miss, I have to say. Uh, I don't miss fog at all. But those days when uh, the trees begin to shed their leaves and and, uh, it all comes to life, it's a beautiful city. And I don't think Hamilton gets its due for that. And that annoys me a little bit. Gets its due. I love what you did
1: with that. The... it doesn't get as much fog as it used to, and that's simply because there's more houses. Simply. Simply because there's less fields. Surely. Now, that is
0: science I hadn't really considered, uh, it, I'd like to see independent evidence of that on Mr Bunting. Well, gonna, Bunting.
1: I, don't worry about it. It's fact. I said it on free fm so it must be fact. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there with I read it on the internet. But well, I guess what I'm neatly trying to segue into is um, uh, I tried. I tried. Um, but Peacock is going ahead. By the looks of it, it's uh, well.
0: The good news is, is if it goes ahead, there's going to be less fog. Well,
1: <laughs> ain't that the truth, eh? Fog, <laughs> debt. Well, yeah, okay. I'll take fog any day.
0: Absolutely brilliant. Look, look can, can I say, uh, Mr. Bunting? I I saw the uh, uh, the dialogue that went on in council and uh. your soliloquy to that effect. And uh, I'm, I I apologise. I've been so slow to say it to you, but I think you should write it out and send it as a column to the Waikato Times. It was eloquent, it was beautifully uh, spoken, and if you wanted to see a councillor who has heart, then I'd ask 3FM listeners to go and find it on YouTube. I thought it was a magnificent uh, piece of oh. oratory uh, in the chamber.
1: You're very uh, so kind, you mate, should just
0: you? write it out and send it as a column so other people can see it. You know. And I, I think, again, it's one of those things that we don't uh, give praise enough for. There are good people in council, but I'll always think that council... And the mechanisms of Wellington and the way councillors work can stop good people from doing good work.
1: You know, I'm, I, I I often think of you, A, eh, when I'm sitting there going, please don't, please don't start to think like that, Max. Please don't start to think like Max. Please stay optimistic. I tell you what, she's a losing battle sometimes, eh? It's it is hard yakka in there uh, when you see some of the stuff going on. But I've got to say, I've got to say, look, that you know that Peacock's thing. I I was surprised at the ignorance of some of our more senior councillors towards the end who didn't even know the machinations of the deal that we've been talking about for a year. Um, and then you know, it managed to sway, sway. I think two over, but it's it's all go, mate. It's all go. But you know, now the councils decided that's what it's, uh, what's what's going to happen. I guess we're just going to get behind it and do the darn thing. I suppose.
0: Well, I think one of the things that comes out of it, and it was actually a bit of a shock, Uh, I have a lot of time for Kelly from the Tron. Uh, She and I had uh, some disagreements early on. Uh, Not uh, nasty ones or anything, just disagreements in view and philosophy. Of course. But I think she's a real asset to the city in terms of her patriotic view of what's going on. Mm. But I saw a post recently where she was talking about that she understands now that it doesn't matter how you engage or who the people are that are on council. There is a machination as it were within council, whether it's coming from Wellington or whether it's Groupthink, and I think this council is completely kneecapped by Groupthink, Uh, I don't see dissenting voices coming out other than yours yours, uh, with that particular issue and for me it's a real danger that you get into councils and you can't do the things you want to do because you don't want to be seen as a maverick you don't want to be seen as the naysayer or the bad guy but where peacocks was concerned someone had to say we can't afford the debt and Mm. why do we need this growth all the time Mm. and Mm. for me as i said last week i like to see how to become the anti-growth capital of the country because growth uh, is not sustainable in the way it's being done and that to me is the fear is the debt that comes with it and I would suggest to you now, uh, this is going to be the column I think this weekend in the Waikato Times, is that this council is now a dead duck. Uh, the mayor is done; he will not be re-elected again. I think that's clear from comments. And I would suggest to you that there are a number of councillors that did speak against various issues, but the ten-year plan went ahead. Mm, yeah, and it did, one huh? of the key One of the key questions I have about the ten-year plan is, in any planning situation. You should sit back and review what the previous 10-year plan did and i'm not sure anyone has what was agreed to what was done Was it achieved where was the review so i think right now this council is is in, in deep and serious trouble and i'm not sure how they get out of it from here you know i think
1: you raised a good point i think that ought to be the first thing any new council gets in and does because i mean this this there were four or five new councillors this so one i think four in this in this uh trench of the council um And we were so busy with inductions and learning how the town worked and how the crematorium worked and all that sort of stuff. We didn't actually sit down and go, hey, this is the direction that the last council had. Where are you at with that and which way are we going to go as a group? You know, there there wasn't that discussion. And and that would have been a really good discussion to have because, I've got to be honest, mate, it it, it took, you know, about three or four months before I knew what a 10-year plan was.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and why it's even required. Interestingly enough, I taught uh, strategic planning at WinTech for a number of years, and mm. the thing I learned in the teaching of it was what was called then is essentially a pie chart. And what that was referring to was PIE, which is Planning, Implementation, Evaluation. So mm. if you apply that Planning, Implementation, Evaluation, then council doesn't evaluate. Yeah. It doesn't figure out whether it's achieved what it's set out to do, and as a result of that, when the new councillors come in, uh, it's quite often that I see that you're being played for a pack of chumps. Mm. Because the guys that have been the movers and shakers in the very small groups, the cliques within councils, you're not part of it. You haven't been there long enough to be part of it. So whatever has been the uh, the strategy to go ahead and go forward, uh, that is going to be what, what goes ahead. And for me, the implementation, fine, we know you've gone and done some things and we're paying the, the debt for it. But did it bloody work? Yeah, and that's the point. We need to evaluate, and we just always going ahead and going ahead and going ahead, not stopping for a minute, saying, "Let's have a bit of a cover," as David Longie once a, said, cup and, uh, a cup of tea. A cup of tea. A cup of tea, and and a bit of a lie down and a rest, and and, and just see what's going on, because. I don't know what's going on, and I'm sure ratepayers are also busy with their lives, and they don't know either.
1: I'm going to use that David Longy to segue into a completely new discussion here. I remember when I was a, a, a trainee schoolteacher, David Longy took over the reins as Education Minister for a brief time, and he was probably the last popular... Education minister, there was, you know,
0: <laughs> probably
1: right there. That would be the, that would be the worst job in the world. Education minister in New Zealand, especially if you're in a, in a right wing government, right? Um, but, yeah. but David Longy came in and even the left wing ones can't get it right because I see the teachers are going to take industrial action and I've got to pull stuff up on something here. They were talking about a, uh, teachers taking industrial action in August, the first time in, since what, 1974 or whatever they're saying. Uh, that's bollocks. My kid, uh, came home early the other day because there was a union meeting. And so if that's oh. not, not industrial action, what is, you know? So apparently a yeah, yeah. striking curve for better pay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, this is not going to be a popular view amongst teachers. Unions are useless. Unions are useless.
0: Well, they are. I think that they've lost their power base. And, and I think one of the things that I get caught on this teacher issue, because I taught or lectured at Wintech for about 10 years, and... One of the things uh, that began to really irritate me, and it's also true of uh, major corporates and, of course, uh, chief executives, who get paid more than the Prime Minister of Canada <laughs> <Minister laughs> and City Council. You couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I couldn't resist. so that was a segue. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is is that uh, no one comes out of primary school or intermediate and says, hey, you know what? The marketing team at that particular school was fantastic, no. you know? We remember the teachers, and I had Mrs. Bain and Mr. Craigie at Whittier Primary and Intermediate, and those two people changed my life. At uh, University of Waco, I had Marshall Walker, the late Marshall Walker, and the late Lewis Fritz. Those two men, I worship the ground those two men walked yeah. on, and they changed yeah. my life. Yeah. So for me, what angers me now is we see administrators and bureaucrats and marketers and people of higher education and in uh, lower uh, echelons of, of teaching, and they are the guys and the women that are getting paid the big money. The yeah. teachers are the schmucks that are doing all the hard work, and they're the ones we remember. And the, and
1: that is because, to my mind, and I've, I've held this view, and nothing's changed it since you know I was a teacher in the mid eighties, or you know early nineties. And that, that is that. Um mediocrity will, protect, will, will will reign as long as there's unions in charge of that sort of thing. There are te- good teachers cannot have great careers in teaching. You know what? There needs to be individual pay for teachers rather than unionised pay. It's as simple as that. Because then you'd have better teachers staying in there for longer rather than disappearing off to the corporate world and using those enormous, well, in those days, state-paid skills that we gained uh, for the corporate world.
0: I, I think one of the things, too, that, that comes into it that worries me greatly is that Because teachers aren't getting paid uh, at a level that makes an attractive profession, that men are becoming an endangered species in education. And there are a number of different reasons for that. But the thing that worries me is is that teaching is now going to be something that becomes increasingly corporate. Teaching for me is a talent business. You either have the talent in the classroom or you don't. And that's not recognized oftentimes. And for me, that's the big thing. I had incredibly gifted. Mrs. Bain, Mr. Craigie were gifted, talented people who yeah. changed the lives of everyone I think they touched in their classroom.
1: Yep. And,
0: uh, the, you know, they, they were just paid the normal rate. And yet they have been remembered. I've written about Mrs. Bain, uh, I've written about Mr. Craigie in the Waikato Times. And there will be, everyone will have one of those teachers in their life. I certainly don't have uh, a bureaucrat from uh, (laughs) either a council or a school uh, that has gone down in my memory in the same way, and I wish that they had been paid what they were worth because they changed my life.
1: Yeah, yeah, teaching is, I would suggest, uh, apart from um, from medicine... Teaching would be probably the most important career you could take up. And it's just so, just so ruled by mediocrity. It's ridiculous. And that's yeah. no reflection on the teachers because I think they're doing their very best. But, and a lot of them have been trained. Like I've been to, um, NZDI functions as a guest speaker and the likes. I've been horrified, horrified by the kind of rhetoric that's coming out of those places. And I'm thinking this is just going to kneecap out these fantastic teachers who could be career teachers where the only, the only career for you is to become a principal or an administrator or yeah. you know, say end up working for the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. I think one of the things, too, that comes out of it is is that increasingly the language and jargon of education is full of platitudes. Yep. And that, to me, is something that has to stop, is that it has to be recognized that when you're teaching, I'm not sure that there's a real easy way, coming back to this evaluation issue, to evaluate whether you're doing good or bad. If you go into low-decile schools, they'll have some of the best teachers they've got. They yeah. might not be able to present the results, but they don't have the material necessarily to work with. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a real easy to look good when you've got a great class, it's kind of like when you're captain the All Blacks. Man, I could captain the friggin' All Blacks. Anyone could do that job. It's easy. <laughs> There's no competition. It's a small code. Blah, blah, blah. Don't start me. But it's easy when you've got material to work with. But some of the best teachers I think you'd find are going to be the ones with big hearts yep. that work in some of the tougher schools in the country.
1: They make their own resources and turn up with their own bins that they've paid for on their own holidays. You're absolutely <laughs> yeah, right.
0: That's, yeah, that's about it.
1: That's a whole new topic, mate. Hey, look, all the very best. Stay warm over there in the bay and it's uh, we'll look after the place here for you until you get back, alright? Well done. Thank you, Mark. you got out. That is uh, Max Christopherson on Free FM. I'm going to sort of try and walk out there if the unions will let me. into my car. This is their feature album, Talking Strunk.
0: For more episodes of this Community Access radio show, please visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible by funding the Access Internet Radio Project.